Buongiorno. This is Marcy Darling, and you're listening to the Pantheon Podcast Network. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here. Welcome back again to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network of Wise Music Swamis. We're available on Spotify, Megatu, um, what, Megaphone, that's it. Uh, uh, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, all over the place. Uh, just Google uh, 40 other uh, podcast platforms. Um, all right, so this is episode 193. I'm calling this Bad Drum Sounds. Last episode was 192. It was good drum sounds, and it was uh, it was uh, well-received. We'll see if this is badly received. Uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, Bad Drum Sounds. So here's the uh, doppelganger of the last episode. I want to thank uh, f- uh, friend Lork- Lorkovich. Uh, Neil Miller and Mick Phelan for uh, giving me some um, suggestions as well. Uh, boy, this is a this is a lot of stuff here. Um, but yeah, the the interesting thing about bad drum sounds, um, and this is almost like a spoiler alert thing. Don't listen any further if this bothers you. But uh, I remember uh, anecdotally. You know, one of my favorite albums of the last 20 years is that last Roger Waters album, Is This the Life We Really Want? And uh, and I just remember, I might have mentioned this last episode, but I just remember Ralph Chapman uh, saying once, man, the drums sound terrible on that album. It's like, what? I never even noticed. Uh, and then I played it back and now I can't get it out of my head. So that's the crazy thing about bad drum sounds. Um, once you're told about them and you check them out and you go, yeah, that does sound kind of crappy, it can get in your head and uh, and basically distract you from anything else in your enjoyment of the album. So it's, uh, yeah, kind of a weird thing that happens. Um you know, and the other thing I want to say about bad drum sounds is um, it's all mixed up in uh, production versus mix as well, right? So how how loud are things mixed in there? And also, uh, you know, a bad bass drum sound uh, sometimes gets uh, obfuscated. Is, did I use that word right? With the, with the bass guitar sound. Um so yeah, depending on how loud the bass guitar is and the bass drum, you know, so again, we're back to mix. Um, there's there's often things going on there as well. Um, and obviously, there's always production choices, you know, why they're doing certain things. Uh, you know, maybe a producer wants to emphasize something else. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, we're, we're going to hear a lot. Here's, okay, here's one other thing. So, so researching this episode and researching the last episode, um, I really found uh, it amazing how uh, you know, people could very smartly argue that this is the worst drum sound you've ever heard, and then another guy can very smartly argue that this is the best drum sound you ever heard, sort of thing. And I and I noticed that with a lot of Kiss productions. And I even went back. You know, somebody was going on and on about how the the greatest snare drum sound of all time was Peter Chris on uh, on Rock and Roll Over. I'm thinking, what? You know, this this is pretty bizarre thing to say um but i went checked and it sounds great i mean it it really is an amazing amazing snare drum sound um and that's the other thing of course when we're talking about you know i'm going to compartmentalize this again like i did last time um 
uh, you know, when you're talking about just some invisible sound waves going through air and uh, and literally, you know, one thing, which is like, say, a snare drum whack, um, it gets pretty obscure and, uh, you know, philosophical almost, uh, you know, what you think uh, is, is a good sound. Um, you know, and, and we've got to mention, you know, miking techniques have changed so much over the years. I mean, literally the, the things that people talk about are, um, are individually miking things or room mics. And now, you know, the, the idea now is that, is that you can room mic up a, a drum set or just kind of use room mics and the room mics sound better than individual miking in the old days. So, and there's, of course, there's a lot of direct stuff now and a lot of computerized stuff that you can do and sampling. Um, so things sound vastly, vastly different now and you have a lot more choices of, of what to do. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's leave that for the preamble. Let's move into our first selection. This is in the category of bass drum. Take a listen to this. This is Cheap Trick with Dream Police. Okay, so you know that uh, I did a Tom Werman episode, uh, you know, and I, 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 you know, I slagged Tom Werman, um, but, you know, Tom Werman had a lot of really cool productions as well, but the, the funny thing, yeah, and it's like in the 80s, there, there isn't really a Tom Werman sound, but there sort of seemed to be a Tom Werman sound in the 70s, and I really think he got a terrible bass drum sound. He also got a bad Tom Tom sound and basically a bad everything sound on the Ted Nugent records. I don't I don't think any of those cheap trick records um, that he did sound particularly great. Um, again, we went into this before where where partly the idea is um, he he really uh, you know had a hankering for a mid rangey sort of sound like push everything into the mid frequencies and uh, you know and and that sounded better on uh, you know. Uh, mentally and sonically challenged radio state, you know, radios in your car radio, AM radio, FM radio, you know, with all that outside car noise and all that. Try it one day, you know, drive down the freeway. And, um, you know, I, I noticed this as well. You, you can really test this uh, in a noisy car. Say, put the windows down a tiny bit, uh, maybe open the sunroof, whatever. Um, but uh, but you, you really notice that... Um, uh, albums that sound really great on a home stereo that have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, you lose all that in a noisy situation. And that's and that's one of the reasons, you know, guys would would record with a lot of mids. But I, I don't think Bun E. Carlos uh, ever got a particularly good bass drum sound. I think he got a pretty lousy Tom Tom song. I don't think there are a lot of high on those highs on those records either. Uh, the one thing that sounds good, I think, is a snare drum. Uh, but yeah, bad bass drum sound there. You know, a few other ones. Uh, to mention are, uh, you know, Judas Priest Painkiller doesn't really have a great bass drum sound. It's a, it's a little, the snare sounds like a shotgun. It's a great, great snare sound, but the bass drums are kind of techy. And then, and then, you know, famously, famously, we think of the Metallica and Justice for All. Uh, bass drums sound like very, very electro and very light. Um, and of course there's not a lot of bass guitar on there either. So that, that causes problems. Um, you know, a, a favorite of mine, that's a pretty obscure Ram Jam portrait of the artist as a young Ram. I think of that as screechy and mid rangey as an album in whole. It doesn't have a lot of bass drum, uh, MSG built to destroy. I think Mick might've pointed that one out. Um, or maybe that was Fran. Um, 
Roger Waters. So yeah, the Roger Waters again. Uh, go play that album again. Uh, unfortunately, if you love Roger Waters and you love that album, uh, you know, playing that again, it's like it's like all the drums sound not not great on that album. There's hello Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Not much to them. Um, the self-titled Dream Theater from 2013. So you can have modern albums by, by very smart music swami bands uh, that that you can have production choices that uh, really don't uh, particularly turn out as well. So uh, yeah, so there's a little bit about bass drum. I mean, in a general sense, there are a lot of records that don't have a lot of bass. And then as soon as you don't have a lot of bass, you're either blaming it on the bass drum or the bass guitar kind of thing. All right, let's uh, listen to our second selection here. This is Black Sabbath with Digital Bitch. Okay, so... Famously, the Born Again album has a terrible, terrible mix, very screechy sound, very extreme in all departments, but um, 
you know, I wanted to play this just to show that everything about the drums is extreme and harsh uh, and, and hard to listen to. But cymbals, I wanted to put it in the cymbals department. This is our cymbals department where, where ah, man, there's, there's, a weird, there's a weird kind of slapbacky, echoey, melange, um, noisiness to them. Um, they just, they just seem like, like muddy in there. Everything's muddy in here, but the bass drum is muddy. The snare is big and wet sounding. Um, you know, other ones in this department, uh, the likes of Defenders of the Faith, Diamond Head Borrowed Time, um, snare on that one too. Snare on Defenders of the Faith too. Doesn't sound very good. Um, you know, uh, Ultra Mega Okay Soundgarden, kind of a techie, you know, and it's got also a high kind of techie bass drum sound too. Gillen, you know, I mentioned I mentioned Mick Underwood in the last episode, and I, I just love what he does with snare, and I think that noisy, trashy snare fits in the Gillen sound, but they didn't get a very good sound with most of the, the frequencies there that they were doing at Kingsway Studios, and so I, I don't think he really gets a good uh, cymbal sound either. Um, Thin Lizzy, Thunder and Lightning. Um, so when we complain about cymbal sounds, um, you know, I, I think of, go, go play Thunder and Lightning. You know, what you complain about is the lack of highs, the lack of clarity, a muddiness. And when cymbals are muddy, they're screechy, right? They're they're kind of like hard on the ears, ear fatiguing sort of thing. And I think you get that on on Thunder and Lightning. I mean, everything's harsh on that album. It's it's an album that's kind of halfways to uh, to Black Sabbath Born Again. Uh, Mick Phelan writes, this is kind of interesting. I forgot about this one. Die by the Sword, Slayer. Uh, the cymbals are famously recorded separately, cymbal overdubs. And as a result, they sound disconnected, uh, lack the finesse and fluidity to be found in the likes of uh, South of Heaven, Harmless Crashes, and, in, and in, that instantly disappear. Um, yeah, and I, I remember even Hella Waits, uh, come, come to think of it, had a really uh, kind of boxy snare bass drum kind of uh, uh, collaboration between the two, right? Um, so, so yeah, that's your symbol department. Um, so, yeah, taking a break. Uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popov is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind and being truly happy and at peace is hard. Uh, the good news is therapy works, but what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. Better help is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer too, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Paul McCartney and Wings with Band on the Run.
Okay, well, if you haven't guessed it, uh, guessed it yet, um, our category here is Tom Toms. Tom Toms are a funny one. Um, you know, usually, pretty much always, the complaints with Tom Toms is that they sound dead and boxy, and you can really hear that here. Now, this was kind of a 70s thing. Paul McCartney and Wings is a really funny band. You hear this with you hear this with the Eagles as well, and and you hear it as a as a seventy sort of trope. Um, you know, people would say things like, um, you know, taping wallets to Tom Toms. Um, people would say that you would tape uh, you you know in the old days you would tape things all over the place um, just to get rid of like like squeaking and extra noises. Um, so Tom Toms got deader and deader sort of thing. Um, so yeah, quite often, uh, you would be surprised. And this is, this actually is something that doesn't distract you really when you're listening back to records, you know, snare sounds and bass drum sounds and cymbals and stuff, maybe more so, but Tom Toms, because they're an occasional thing, it's not going to ruin your, uh, you know, enjoyment of records, but yeah, Wings is a, Wings is a really funny one. I almost consider this. I've been thinking of doing an episode called Children's Music, right? Um, and and I almost put them in that category. You know, uh, Tom Petty, like I said, Fleetwood Mac, ABBA certainly. Um, where where um, it just feels like often drums are are a timekeeping device. They're just something in the background, and you really get that with Paul McCartney and Wings. So here you hear, I mean, you, basically none of the frequencies on recording of drums in Wings are particularly good. At least in this golden period, I can't I can't uh, off the top of my head remember every. Uh, sort of every period, uh, you know, what they did. But, you know, and, and also in this department, I'd like to add um, Deep Purple, House of Blue Light. I think Fran pointed this one out, and I and I went and checked it again. You know, it never bothered me before, but I checked it back. Ian Pace gets pretty cardboardy tom-toms on there. Um, Triumph. I've seen people talk about Gilmore and tom-toms. Now, he had that big drum set with the big tune toms. I played back a bunch of Triumph, and I didn't see really what the complaints are about. They're vibrant enough, and you can hear a little bit of that tuning in them. I mean, really, this is this is the only way you actually get good toms in a way. I mean, you can get powerful toms as well, but um, you know, and let let's talk about Keith Moon for a second. I mean, his his toms can be kind of cardboardy, and he's another guy that um, that I would find complaints by smart people about Keith Moon's drum sound and then I would find people that that liked his drum sound but it is a very dry conservative drum sound as well uh Queen's right the warning I don't think gets particularly good toms um UFO um I went back and played this was Fran pointing this out as well um but I I just went and played force it I knew that one you know most of those um the the Leo Lyons and the um and the Ron Nevison uh albums did not get good drum sounds in general um and that's why that's i that's that literally was enough to force me into the um you know the the paul tonka chapman era of being my favorite ufo albums the production kind of knocks it down a little for me uh you know ron nevison liked to try to get um that big john bonham sort of sound um you know, because he actually worked on that stuff earlier on as well, but uh, I don't think he really does get it. It just comes out sort of noisy. Um, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, not good Tom sounds. I mean, very. that's a very harsh, complicated uh, sound from Tom Werman in general. Snare is big and boomy on that. Bass drum's kind of harsh. Uh, Riot, Born in America, went and played that again to check it out, and yes, very bad Tom sounds. Screechy snare and cymbals and bass as well. It's just a screechy recording. Um, 
Angel on Earth as it is in heaven. Um, it's funny. Joe Beck mentioned, oh, I can't, you know, next episode, you know, Martin's going to mention he's, he's going to rag on Eddie Kramer, right? Um, so so this is the famous Eddie Kramer album um, for Angel, and it's a very noisy, boomy, strange drum sound. Um, but um, I realized I didn't want to complain about the snare sound. Uh, the bass drum sound, again, it's going for that, uh, you know, post-Jimmy Page, Ron Nevison, uh, boomy thing, um, but not really getting it, but it still sounds pretty good. But the toms are terrible. The toms sound pretty bad. Um, bad motor finger, Soundgarden gets cited a lot for toms and snare. REM gets cited a lot, Life's, Life's Rich Pageant. Um, people really seem to complain about REM's drum sound in general. Um Murmur, I've seen described, uh, you know, I, I look at the Steve Hoffman forums and, and whatnot for some of this stuff sometimes. It, it was described as murky. Um, Life's Rich Pageant was described as having a harsh snare sound. Um, Scott Lit albums are quite bad in the drum department. Yeah, Genesis, Genesis, this was an interesting one. So you know how I rated um, Abacab, my favorite overall drum sound of all time. By the time you get to Genesis, Genesis, um, you know, all the charm has been uh, leached out of the system and you get just sort of rote 80s, you know, bad um, tom-tom sounds and snare and everything. I, I think they kind of pooched it on that. Um Pleasure to Kill, uh, I think this was Mick mentioning this, uh, Tom's Rotary Tom Madness, he says, Neil Peart makes it work, but it can detract from a timeless classic, it sounds like a, like a loads of uh, kids toys being dropped down the stairs, clanky clunky, too high in the mix, I wanted to mention as well, Frank, a uh, friend mentioned this, um, you know, I, I always, I know this stuff, then I forget it, then I know it and forget it, the, the, um, the great sort of um, Ploipy Tim Bally-like uh, Bill Bruford uh, Tom Tom sound that I was discussing before was a Rotary Tom situation. Um, so thanks for pointing that out. Um, Mick also points out Dance with the Devil, Cozy Powell, uh, Tom's and bass drum. It sounds dull. It sounds out of tune. There's no brightness, a uniformity in its dullness. Sure, wipe out by the safari sound like a Fisher Price drum set, but there's sparkle and character. It doesn't help that the song sucks. Yeah, Cozy Powell, I've always had it in for Cozy. People complain that I complain about Cozy, but uh, man, I don't like his drum sound. Uh, I don't like anything about his drum sound. The snare sound, the bass drum sound, the cymbals are harsh. Everything sounds sounds harsh uh, and nothing sounds particularly powerful so that's kind of a funny thing about cozy on, on rising and uh you know on rising and long live rock and roll and then and then it gets kind of uh kind of better on uh on down to earth you know how much i love down to earth but uh and he gets a neat snare sound on on down to earth uh, doesn't he uh, okay and speaking of snare sound so uh, let's move into our snare department uh take a listen to this this is husker do with these important years All right, I love my Husker Du. I play these guys all the time, but uh, they are the uh, the uh, cl- clinician's case for bad snare sound. For some reason, you know, they just love that buzz car- buzz saw guitar sound. But um, you know, they also loved having this really, really 
bright, high, mid-ranging, electro-sounding snare uh, across almost all their albums. I went back and played New Day Rising as well. I played Candy Apple Grey to check this out. Um, and this uh, this is almost like the worst version is, uh, you know, the great double album, Warehouse Songs and Stories. But uh, yeah, very annoying snare sound. And then the bass sound, uh, is it kind of eggs it on by being very clattery and electro as well. Very almost Vinnie Polish on the bass drum sound. So yeah, they just had a strange 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 idea and aesthetic of what they wanted their band to sound like and and they had some very extreme sounds in there um now obviously in the snare department you know we always have to mention metallica saint anger with the snares you know almost all the way off or mostly off and i did go check that back and um it's not it's not all it completely completely throughout the album but uh yeah that's when everybody makes fun of stranglers feline jane's addiction nothing shocking rat out of the cellar so this was another thing in the 80s with the big hair metal bands um it became in vogue to uh to have a big wet booming snare sound um you know didn't particularly bother me at the time um but it is something that over time has has bothered people prong beg to differ very electro sampled sort of snare sound on that on this sort of progressive metal band good music uh corrosion of conformity america's volume dealer i remember when that came out i was very disgusted by the drum sound on that bass drum sound and snare sound but the snare sound sounds like the exactly same sampled snare sound throughout i don't know if it's the entire album but most of the album um Plastic Ono Band, you think back to the, the the weird, you know, and that comes from the Beatles, right? The, this this weird kind of slap, echoey, annoying, strange, almost like a novelty snare drum sound, and you really hear that on the Plastic Ono Band. It's kind of interesting, but uh, but it's definitely distracting. Uh, Def Leppard, High and Dry, so you get into the, the Mutt Lang thing. Uh, Bad Motor Finger, yeah, again. Um, uh, yeah, a quote says, uh, you know, why do they go for such a dinky, lifeless drum sound for what's supposed to be a heavy album? Um, yeah, so I, I saw a quote on McCartney and Wings. Um, the whole band on the run out uh, album has a weird drum sound, no life to them at all, mainly the snare jet. Let me roll, especially. Uh, let me roll it, especially. It doesn't even sound like a snare. Having said that, you gotta love it for being so distinct. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. And people always mention. So when you're talking about snare sounds, um, you know, that that's great story about how um, when ZZ Top put out the six pack, um, you know, CD box set, uh, they went in and tinkered with the snare sound and gave you that big, wet, echoey, reverby 80s drum sound on some of it, not all of it. Um, but you really hear it on. I think it's like um, Lagrange and stuff like that. I, I think I think maybe that whole album got that treatment and it just really annoyed the heck out of people and then uh you know they, they went back on it. The cure's a funny one. So, you know, when you're talking about snare sounds, you know, in that whole murky gothic, you know, moving into synth synth uh synth what was synth rock? What what do you call it? Again, anyways, that that whole there was a whole aesthetic in the UK about having kind of a dancey snare sound, anti-music, post-punk. That's another term for what they're doing. So they tried to really mess around with a lot of their sounds. So half the time on cure albums, you know, when you're getting a snare sound, it's either very processed or it's straight off of a drum machine too, which is, you know, annoying. But again, they're going for an aesthetic. Uh, here's a band that I thought had generally a bad snare sound, but even overall, the Kinks, man, I play back a lot of those uh, later Kinks albums, and they just really pooched it on drum sounds across that stuff. S- uh, the Smiths have have a snare sound you arguably call uh, can call annoying. Um, Grand Funk Survival, tinny snappy snare sound, Born in the USA, um, 
uh, worse, uh, clearly not the worst, but as, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ziggy Stardust. Um, definitely not a good, um, snare sound. Jeff Lynn. So that he's a guy that gets sort of complained about a lot on those ELO albums. You get almost a snare sound that moves into a max snare sound and, and a max snare sound, you know, Queen, Billy Squire, um, Reinhold Mack, that can be quite annoying as well, but also it's it's kind of interesting that it exists. Stars Coliseum Rock is one I've always compared about. Um, I've seen complaints about Terry Bozio's snare sound on the Nax Zoom album, and I played it back, and it has it's a little ringy. It's a little Lars Ulrich, uh, Ulrich on that. Um, yeah, Def Leppard Pyromania is kind of an interesting one. Uh, there was a quote from Mike Shipley who said, there are no real drums on that album. The cymbals are played, but the bass drum, snare, and toms are all machine. We had all kinds of drums in there, and I sampled them into the Fairlight and detuned them. We'd sampled them at in at half speed, thinking that we'd get a better sound because that's when Fairlight was at 8 bits. You had to get around the that part of it. We sampled Ludwig, Black Beauty snares, and other snares, and all kinds of bass drums. We ended up with something that Mutt liked that we could detune a little bit, and it goes on and on. So you can tell there's a lot of intention when you're trying to do, um, you know, some innovative, strange 80s sort of drum sounds. You know, I I don't think the drum sound on Pyromania dates particularly well, but there you go. Um, okay, better move on. Uh, we've got the overall category here. Take a listen to this. This is King Diamond with Welcome Home. All right, the great Mickey D, love that guy, incredible drummer. I thought he got pretty darn good drum sounds across the Motorhead albums, although they are a little overproduced-y, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you listen to this and it just sounds like every every frequency is done innovatively, modern, but it sounds really bad, I think, uh, you know, overall. And and King, honestly, on, on a few other albums, he, he didn't get a great sound either, Conspiracy, perhaps. Um, but yeah, overall, in the overall department, I'd like to also cite Neil Smith. I don't think we got very good drum sounds off of the classic Alice Cooper albums, Boxy Toms, everything. Rush Power Windows, you know, um, here's here's Rush being very um, innovative and cutting edge and Neil being very enthusiastic about trying all this stuff out. But, you know, tick off all the, all the departments on that and hold your fire, tick off bass drums, toms, cymbals you know, you name it, everything, bass drum, uh, it, it all doesn't sound very good, um, Ozzy Osbourne, the ultimate sin, um, terrible, terrible sounds all throughout that for Randy, but I've seen a lot of complaints even about Lee, Lee Kerslake on, um, you know, on the, on the earlier albums, so this is Max Norman, and I played those back again, um, before doing this episode, and I thought, yeah, the snare sound is kind of irritating and large, um, the bass drum is flappy, um, so I don't think it's very good and the cymbals are harsh, the toms are boxy. So everything's kind of not sounding good there as well. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've seen complaints of, you know, Bark at the Moon's got its problems and even, uh, No Rest for the Wicked's got its problems. So Ozzy didn't get the greatest drum sounds. Yes, Tormato. Um, this is one I see complained about a lot. People complain about the overall production, but everything about it is is very harsh there as well. I, every, pretty much everything Prince did, Prince got very bad drum sounds, I thought. Um, people have mentioned ACDC, um, 
flick of the switch, but I, I love that album so much. I can't hate, hate on it, but, uh, but it is a little underproduced fly in the wall is not great either. Um, people have mentioned, uh, most of the Bachman Turner overdrive, uh, records. Uh, I saw a, um, a quote that said, it sounds like Robbie Bachman is whapping on couch cushions. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it didn't get a good sound. Uh, people complain a lot about Ginger Baker on Disraeli Gears and Wheels of Fire. I don't think he got a very good drum sound either on most of this stuff. Um, kind of an interesting bass drum sound, but the toms very boxy. Um, so yeah, not a good sound there. Um, let's see, what else do we got here? Um yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. I just wanted uh, to mention a few quick snappers here, though, as well. Uh, Neil Miller uh, chimes in. Uh, so these I didn't go in and categorize uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention some good drum sound stuff, too, but we're kind of running out of time. But um, So Neil Miller mentions... Uh, Dream Theater, Images and Words, the triggered snare in particular. Follow Up Awake was a massive improvement in drum sound. He mentions Blow Up Your Video. Yeah, that has bad drum sounds. Alice Cooper Constrictor. So Alice Cooper had all sorts of problems, I think, with drum sounds and, you know, courting and running after these 80s uh, tropes, right? Asia Astra, uh, clearly recorded inside a giant blimp hangar, says Neil. Marillion script of a jester's tear. Rainbow Stranger in us all. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think that that album is literally ruined by the production. Um, and uh, and I really, the, the drum sound is so light on that. Boston Life, Love and Hope. Yeah, um, you know, Tom Schultz, uh, you know. Recording Madman, but but I think he can't see the forest for the trees or however that goes. And, and there's a lot of electronic drums that are now starting to sound like ele- electronic drums later in life. Uh, speaking of le- electronic drums, Manic Street Preachers tried that sort of thing. Um, Neil mentioned Symphony X, The Divine Wings of Tragedy, Opeth Orchid. Um, yeah, you get black metal, uh, but black metal is an aesthetic, so you can get a lot of bad black metal drum sounds. Um you know, Neil mentions Van Halen OU812, and, um, you know, I tend to think most of these radical drum sounds you got out of uh, Alex Van Halen, I love them all. I, I really, you know, it is weird in all departments, but I, I think it's uh, it's really neat and obviously it's very distinct. Um, Man of War Battle Hymns. Uh, let's see, what else did Mick, uh, Mick mentioned? Oh yeah. I, yeah, I thought this was a funny mention because he goes into the percussion area, you know, congas and whatnot on uh, queen days of our lives. Those are the days of our lives. Um, Phil Collins snare and bass, uh, later on. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, I won't mention any, uh, I, I, you know, wanted to mention some other, um, good drum sounds, but again, Always go to our Facebook page because there's always a lot of good discussion there uh, about this stuff. Uh, you know, things I missed, things people wanted to point out. Um, if you like this episode and want to support future episodes, please go to ko-fi.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. Uh, I haven't put out the usual Facebook asks, so I, the list is not very big uh, this week. Um, I've I think I've skipped three weeks of doing that because I hate hat in hand begging about this stuff but anyways um thank you guys uh for being regulars we've got andy at back uh, black sugar transmission david fisher augustin garcia de Prady, steve polari brian sager roy self and anthony espin ufano uh and roy thank you very um generous take a break please that was uh, very cool of you um i do have the big news right now is i do have the alice, uh, alice cooper the um well those are in too but um 
the the new ACDC book, uh, ACDC at 50 came in, big hardcover, you know, slipcover on it, um, looking at 50 ACDC highlights. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. That one is there with all the PayPal buttons and that. Um, thanks again. Go listen to some bad drum sounds, and I apologize in advance. Yeah, let me know at the Facebook of, if I've literally ruined one or two of these albums for you. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.